Welcome to the Not Just a Pony Ride podcast, presented to you by Hedger University. If you've landed here, you're probably passionate about how horses help people. Whether you're an instructor, therapist, in the business, or have experienced equine-assisted services yourself, we're glad you're here. Join us as we talk about the benefits, the science, to-dos, how-tos, and all of the reasons why what we do is so much more than just a pony ride. And now, from the Hetra campus in Gretna, Nebraska, here's your host, occupational therapist, Katie King. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you, Katie. Thank well, you for asking me. It was good to meet you at the conference. Yeah, absolutely. Conference was so much fun. I got to meet so many awesome people and you were one of them. So I ran into you at your booth. Do you want to tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you ended up here? Sure. I was there representing St. Andrews University, where I've worked for the past year and a half as an assistant professor of therapeutic horsemanship and director of the school's therapeutic horsemanship center, path center, called Ride Like a Knight. Um, I was also speaking at the conference, which I was excited to have the opportunity to do. Very good. So tell us a little bit about you, Melissa. How did you end up in the position that you're in and how did you find, I guess, equine assisted services? Yeah, I didn't, I came to horses late. I mean, I always liked horses as a kid, but didn't get to do, take any formal lessons or anything until I was in college at um, Houghton College in New York State. And they, you could take the basic riding classes for gym credit. And then they had a couple nights a week that was open riding. So I took advantage of that as a student. And then again, didn't do much with horses until grad school. Um, I was out of college almost 10 years at that point and decided I wanted to become a marriage and family therapist. So I was in grad school for that and saw a poster at my school for equine facilitated psychotherapy workshop. Um, So went there, met the director, found out that you could do therapy outdoors with horses and got hooked and really never looked back, Um, never went back to an office setting, Um, was much happier being outdoors and working with horses and people. So it was through that center that I got my um, CTRI and my ESMHL and spent um, in California, you have to get 3000 hours of an internship before you can get licensed as a therapist. So I did almost all of those 3000 hours with horses and people at that center. Worked at a couple different centers on the way to North Carolina where I am now and um, got some great experience being an instructor, but also having some administrative responsibilities like volunteer coordinator. Um, I was director of services at one center where I got to run their veterans, youth at risk, elderly um, or senior citizen programs, the minis, taking them to nursing homes and preschools and things like that. So got to do some specialty things as well as therapeutic riding. Very cool. So then did you get the bug to teach? How did you end up in a teaching role? I wouldn't 
couldn't imagine myself in this role um, until our center that I was at hosted an ESMHL workshop and the faculty, the PATH faculty that came to that workshop afterwards were like, you know, you could teach this if you wanted to. And that kindly bit of pressure to be like, hey, you know, you can, you've got this, you could do this, um, made me think, huh, maybe I could <laughs> actually teach this or, you know, do it more in a faculty role. And so when the position came open here at um, St. Andrews and I learned about that, that gave me the courage to apply and uh, it's been a great fit. I've really enjoyed it here. Very good. So where, where is St. Andrews University located? We are almost on the South Carolina border, uh, south of Fayetteville and between Charlotte and Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. Very good. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about your program? That's kind of our target of why we wanted to have you on today is you guys are the first, right? Therapeutic horsemanship um, or or center um, and, you know, teaching institution to do that. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more about kind of how that got started and, and learn more about the program so that people know what's available and what's out there as far as education goes. Yeah. St. Andrews in when they were building the current campus in 1961, this is 30 years before the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, way back way back then, the focus was on making a campus that was entirely accessible. And um, from that came the focus on therapeutic horsemanship because there were professors and students who had their own horses And at that time, actually, the horses were on campus um, in a little barn left over from when the place had been a farm. Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, my peers here need a gym class and I have a horse. Let's get them riding. So it really started with the school's focus of being accessible to folks with disabilities. And it wasn't until 1996 that we made it official, hired faculty, and began the um, therapeutic horsemanship major here on campus. In 2000, 2001, um, we got the money to build the center that I'm at now, which is the equestrian center comprises about 350 acres of the school's 520 acres. So wow. Even in our land, it's showing that St. Andrews has a huge focus on equestrian and horses, and we're part of that. Um, We got grants from former students and alumni, and we're able to build the center and move here from a much smaller facility where we were kind of bumping into each other. Uh, We have three riding teams in addition to the therapeutic horsemanship program, plus uh, equine business administration degree and a uh, biology degree with a focus on equine science. So between sports and academics, we have a lot of focus on equines around here, but the center shares an indoor arena and an office and a classroom. So we have a beautiful facility. I'm really appreciating. I I tell everyone I have the best office and the best (laughs) classroom on campus because I'm outdoors with the horses. That's right. That's right. 
So that's what I was curious about is if St. Andrews had quite a large, you know, equine studies or, you know, equine portion of programming, not just therapeutic horsemanship, but, you know, other majors and focuses areas of study as well. Yeah. Um, for the size of school we are, we are an equine powerhouse. I mean, <laughs> hunt seat, dressage team, Western team, an on-site veterinarian who teaches our uh, biology, equine science classes, several people with long careers in equine business administration. So teaching not just how to get along with horses, but how to write contracts and how to become a 501c3 and how to take care of your taxes and insurance and all those important things that you might not necessarily get. Uh, We also recently started a online degree that is business administration with a specialization in therapeutic horsemanship. I love um, that. Which is a great fit for PATH people who are out there trying to run a center and they can't leave their farm to come to school. We've got it entirely online so that you can get that business acumen that you might need to run your center, but still not have to leave home to do it. I love that option because so many of us that are obviously in this, in, in this industry have our own horses. So what would we do? Move right. to North Carolina? No, that's not very practical. So having the online portion is, that's really great. It's huge. It's been a great asset. I know to the path community as well as to the school to have that online option for people. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the curriculum of therapeutic horsemanship, I guess, you know, how long is the, is the major and is it, you know, kind of credit hours ish? What does it look like? And what types of classes are they taking? Uh It is a liberal arts degree, four year degree. Um, So they're getting the full college experience um, along with the therapeutic horsemanship. You know, typical major, about 55, 75 credits total by the time you um, get everything. We have them taking classes in other departments like child and adolescent development, human anatomy and physiology, stable management, basic riding instruction for able-bodied individuals. In the TH, what we call it, therapeutic horsemanship focused classes, They have an introduction. Um, They have a course called Principles and Concepts where they're learning all the acronyms, PATH, CTRI, ESMHL, you know, the the things we throw around. (laughs) We love acronyms. What those mean. (laughs) (laughs) We also dive into the standards manual and uh, give the students the option of taking their standards exam and getting class credit for it, as well as um, checking that off their list towards becoming certified. Uh, They have a class called Training the Therapeutic Riding Horse, spending time looking at horse selection, you know, care, conditioning, desensitization, working with a variety of people, and that gives them a lot of the hands-on and working with the horses. They have a class, Advanced Techniques in Therapeutic Horsemanship, and that's looking at the different diagnoses uh, that they may be dealing with and not so much on a medical level, but more on a, okay, people who come with sensory issues, here's how we can help them. Right. People who come with balance and mobility issues here, here's how we can help them. Oh, I love that Um, so much because so much of our 
obviously so much of our clientele has a lot of these difficulties that come with medical diagnoses, and we're not asking our CTRIs to be occupational therapists or physical therapists or, you know, deal with a lot of that stuff on a complex level. But as CTRIs, we have to know how to handle those things because, you know, they're going to come to us with those things. So how do we manage them without being medically interventioning, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but exactly. I love that. To know what the benefits are and how to help the participant access those benefits for their needs but not crossing the line into becoming a therapist. That's right. There's two twin um, program management classes. One is administration of a center. So again, looking at insurance, nonprofit versus for-profit, risk management, volunteers, recruiting your board, all those sorts of things. And then a program management teaching class where, okay, what does it mean to be a professional instructor? writing your resume and deciding, you know, what sort of center you want to work at and what sort of role at the center you would like to have. They have a um, teaching internship. They can do either here at Ride Like a Night or one of the centers in the area. And that's just getting teaching hours. The college used to be a, um, what do they call it, approved training center. Um, we've moved to a higher education member of PATH. So my students are taking the same PATH to certification that everyone else takes, um, but they're getting it class credit at the same time. And we're incorporating the steps to certification into the various classes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the end of their time here, there's two capstone classes, a um, therapeutic horsemanship issues and ethics class and a survey of specialties. So we spend the entire semester talking to therapists and people who do psychotherapy with horses and people who work with geriatric clients and people who specialize in driving or vaulting or the different, Mm -hmm. so that they get a sense of what's out there beyond um, therapeutic horsemanship. Right. I love that our school is very well-rounded. We're good at interdisciplinary. We've had the adaptive sports professor come and talk to my class. I've gone and talked to his classes. Um, I've spoken at special education classes on campus. So we're, we're really good at mixing it up and, you know, sharing each other's expertise. Yeah, it's seem very collaborative and supportive in that you, you know, are educating each other's majors on what, you know, else is out there, because that's important for us as professionals to know what else is available to help our, you know, participants. And then it's good for those majors to know what's available for their, you know, clients or whatever they have someday. So I like that. So what classes do you teach, Melissa? What is your kind of specialty in the program? Um, I teach all of the ones that I just mentioned. Awesome. <laughs> All the ones with TH in front of them in the catalog, we do it on kind of a rotating basis. So some are just in the fall and others are just in the spring. Um, I should say too, we're looking for another faculty to share the load. So if any of your listeners have a master's and their CTRI and they want to move to North Carolina, get in touch with me. <laughs> there you go. Yes. But How many students do you accept into the program each year? I was looking at our pictures from last year and we had just over a dozen majors and minors. During COVID, 
we, we contracted, didn't have as many participants or um, students as we normally have, but we're back to growing and looking at expanding that. So we went from around 16 participants last year at the center to over 45 this fall and looking at um, even more for the spring. So it's yeah. encouraging to see interest coming back from the students and also from participants in the community. Yes. Yeah. That's great to see that growth. Another thing that I love that St. Andrews does is the students who are on the equestrian teams have to volunteer at the therapeutic riding center. That's oh. their community service for the team. So it enriches our program. And I know that it helps our students who aren't necessarily TH majors see the program and see what else you can do with horses besides competition. Absolutely. And I think a lot of folks that do, you know, that show or compete or do those kinds of things, love horses, but aren't quite sure how they want to integrate them into their lives after, you know, that, that period of their right. life. And I think this is obviously a really great way to do that. Even if they're not headed into becoming a professional instructor, if they're going to have a lesson barn or a boarding barn, they might be open to, you know, contracting with an instructor in the future because they know what it does and how it can provide work for horses that might not be able to do competition anymore. Um, a good half right now of our therapeutic riding horses are retirees from the sports team. So we have a dressage horse and two Western horses who have come join us because they just can't handle the tight turns and the cantering around, but they're just happy to pack kids around and that's perfect for us. I love that. It's like happiness for everybody all the way around. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your involvement kind of with PATH. So you guys follow the PATH model of certification, obviously, for CTRI. How did yeah. that partnership come to happen or did it kind of happen naturally as the program was forming? Yeah, um, as the program was being formed, uh, Lori Ranker was our first professor in the program. And then we had um, Pebbles Turberville as our professor director from um, 2000 to 2020. Um, so I feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of giants who have in this industry in PATH, um, big shoes to fill, but I'm very excited to contribute and again, help this program keep growing. Um, my dream is to expand the major um, into an additional major in equine assisted learning. Um, mm. That seems like a big need out there right now to have formal education in how to conduct sessions, lead groups, um, facilitation, all that sort of thing. So building relationships between people and horses. Uh, there's a lot of interest out there for the emotional side of working with people and horses. Yes, EAL has boomed. And I don't know if it, the trigger was, or if it, I mean, it's obviously a fantastic way to, to partner with horses and, and benefit people, but I don't know if it was, you know, COVID or this kind of increase in mental health, you know, need that we've seen or 
you know, what it is, but that, yeah. that EAL has boomed a lot in that, that education and how to do that people are really seeking. So that would be great. Have you heard about Hetra's mentoring program? 30 years ago, Hetra started with one participant and a handful of volunteers. Today, we're a large striving organization that wants to share our experience with you. We know that the work you're doing is extremely beneficial, but we also know how incredibly difficult it can be. Let us help you understand all aspects of your program, from volunteer coordination, horse management, finances, fundraising, and everything in between, so that you can sustain a successful thriving organization. Get started now with a free 15-minute consultation. All you have to do is a quick survey, and we'll match you with the best Hetra staff member for your needs. Go to hetrauniversity.org now and click on Mentoring. We're hearing from a lot of incoming students. Uh, the director of our admissions was telling me the other day that more than he's ever seen it, we've got freshmen coming in who know that they want to be a therapeutic horsemanship major. And when asked why, they say, because horses helped me survive COVID. I learned how important that relationship was, and I want to help others have that. Yes. Gosh, that's profound. I would, I would agree with that from a personal standpoint too, for myself, I know. So <laughs> when um, people come in to their, your therapeutic horsemanship, they, they graduate and then do mm -hmm. they go, do you, is part of the, um, I guess, testing for your CTRI part of the graduation process, or is that something that then they pursue after they receive their degree? Um, we have, everything under the sun. Um, I know of one student who came with her CTRI. Um, okay. Most students about their junior or early senior year have completed all the requirements and sent in their application and are uh, well along in that process. Um, and I know others that have kind of put it off or had two majors and been super busy. Um, who aren't able to complete the requirements until after graduation. And some that just decide, you know, path isn't quite my thing. You know, this was interesting, but I'm not sure I want to be an instructor. And so decide not to pursue certification. Mm -hmm. But we really do have the full spectrum. Uh, my goal is to make it available, make it possible uh, for those that want it to um, support it every way we can in class and out of class. Um, they get teaching hours and their standard work on the standards exam and everything else, all the other requirements. Um, mm -hmm. I've talked to our professor of able-bodied instructor program, and she has taken on helping the students get their teaching video, which is wonderful because that's not only another voice in the student's education, but it's out of my hands to find a horse that can walk truck canter and a student that can ride at that, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. taking care of that in class. So mm -hmm. again, it's a nice um, benefit to the students that they're getting class credit for pursuing certification. Right. Absolutely. And I think that it's nice too, that it's not a hundred percent required because then that gives them the flexibility to pursue different models of certification, or even if they wanted to, I could see this being a, a springboard too, to go on to, if you wanted to become like a 
a therapist or a therapy assistant or do something where you wanted to have this knowledge and then pursue, you know, something after that? Do you have that happen ever? Quite frequently. Um, I've, I would say most of the therapeutic coursemanship students have a double major in either psychology, education, or occupational therapy assistance. Uh, they're headed for grad school and becoming a therapist, but they want to have this big tool in their toolkit for helping clients. So mm -hmm. whichever specialty they decide to move to, they will have an education in working with horses. Yes. And I would say kind of in the same way that you have experienced in your incoming students into your program, I have seen that in the occupational therapy program as well. Um, I speak quite often at a college in Omaha that has a both doctor and master's degree in OT. And, and, and bef when I was in school, people knew about it, but it wasn't, um, you know, something super common that came up, but now in, in therapy programming, I mean, if I go to speak, people are like, I've wanted to do this forever. And there's more and more people that are super interested in it. And so I think that whatever we're doing to educate the public is working because there's a lot of people that want want formal education in what we do. Exactly. I've had um, volunteers from the community who come in, um, senior citizens and others that have been like, if I only knew this was available 40 years ago, 20 years ago, I would have done it, you know, mm -hmm. so. Do you have a broad spectrum of, you know, life stages in your program? Like, are there some that this is a second career and some that this is their first? In our on-campus students, it's mostly traditional, you know, 18 to 22-year-old students. Um, in the online program, it's mostly second career and folks who are looking to retool and have been out in the world for a while and want to get some formal education in therapeutic horsemanship. Or realize that it would be very so helpful. Fun for to me, too, that. as a professor. Um, speaking to both populations and hearing the life stories of the online students, um, some of whom have taken a very rough road to get back to school and finishing their degree and doing it in something they love. It's mm -hmm. really inspiring to hear. And probably a wealth of experience too, which is good for the spectrum of students that are, you know, entry level and some that have been doing this a while and kind of learned the hard way, right? <laughs> right. So tell me a little bit about the Ride Like a Knight program that's kind of connected to your, your degree in your school of business. Yeah. Since the very beginning, uh, this, when we started the therapeutic horsemanship program, we wanted it to be a community service, outreach. Um, it's just such a natural fit because my students need participants to teach. And this area of North Carolina needed a center, a path center. Um, so it's been a wonderful fit. Um, we have a lot of community support. They buy helmets for us once a year, a couple helmets that we need. The local senior living villa, I've spoken to their lifelong learners club and brought our mini to the um, people who need more care and can't leave the site for a field trip but mm -hmm. um, are so happy to pet a horse and spend some time with a pony so and we've had um, schools bring special education classes our the name of our center 
sounds odd at first uh, why we would call ourselves Ride Like a Knight, but our college mascot is the Knights. We're the That's what St. I Andrews Knights. So the, yeah, <laughs> so the name of the center, Ride Like a Knight, um, came directly from that. So when participants come to you to, to seek services, they obviously know you're a educational facility. So then are the folks mm-hmm. needing those lessons kind of partnered up? Like, is it, is it typically always a, a CTRI and a, a student or someone who's learning to become a CTRI or kind of how does the structure of your sessions look? Yeah, um, that's another reason why we're seeking another faculty member who is a CTRI because right now I've been the main one supervising all the up and coming instructors. So Mm -hmm. in addition to teaching classes, I need to be at every lesson that's taught at the center because there isn't anyone else at the moment. But um, yeah, it's myself. Often I will pull in a student who's already certified and it's part of their, there's a couple classes where teaching a lesson in the program is part of the requirements of the class. Mm -hmm. So even if they're not heading for certification, I want to get teaching experience. And I keep them with the same students for the course of the semester. For example, in the advanced techniques class this fall, the students were doing case presentations in class on their participants coming in saying, okay, this person has these difficulties. Here's what I see are the benefits. Here's some risk management issues I've identified. Here's some questions I have about teaching this person. What can you, and brainstorming together as a class on activities Mm -hmm. and things that would be helpful. Right. And I think building that rapport and building that you know, every week being able to troubleshoot things and say, okay, this was a difficulty last week. Let's try this this week. And um, I like how you have kind of put it back in the students' hands because right, I'm all about giving people the tools they need to be what, you know, to do what they need to do. Whereas when they leave this program and they don't have their instructors, you know, or their professors or people to tell them how to do it, how can they help themselves, right? Can they work with their peers and their colleagues and figure out an answer and kind of learn from trial and error. And I think that's, that's important too. Yeah. Um, I don't, they don't need to have all the possible disabilities memorized, but I do want them to have some good sources to go look things up Mm -hmm. and know how to learn how to help someone. Mm -hmm. So how many participants do you guys see a week or kind of what's your schedule like in the ride like a night program? Um, We have the one school group right now that's coming during the day. They come in Thursday mornings and then the rest of our lessons are that precious after school time, you know, three to 6 p.m. We're hopping here. Mm -hmm. I was really proud of the students. Last year they voted, uh, decided that they wanted to have grooming and tacking as part of the lessons and have the lessons be an hour long. for our individual clients or for our small groups uh, that after school time. So lessons are an hour long and half of that time, the students aren't getting their CTRI hours because those have to be mounted hours. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was proud of the students for saying, you know, this is an important part and we want to make sure that our participants are getting this as well as riding. 
individuals and small groups. Sometimes it's siblings or, you know, one or two riders. Mm -hmm. And then with the uh, after school group and the special ed classes that are coming, those are often bigger groups, three or four riders at a time. I see it as my job to get the biggest variety of participants I can mm -hmm. for the students. Um, don't want it to be just children, just people with autism, but as much variety as I can. So elders, teenagers, huge variety of disabilities and problems and issues. And so that the students get the broadest experience I can give them. Mm, that's so important. And I feel like is a honestly a really, really big sell to going to a program like you guys, because going through the traditional CTR, CTRI route in, you know, wherever you're from, like take, for example, Nebraska, um, we're the only premier accredited center and there aren't very many um, centers with CTRIs. So if you, if you just go to one center to get all of your hours and maybe it's the same day every week, those might only be only be kids or they might only be adults. And so being able to get a variety um, because you may go to a different, you may move and go to a different center. And even though you have a CTRI, the majority of your experience is in, you know, elders or children or whatever it is. So having a good variety like that is, is so important. In a way, COVID coming from me coming as COVID was winding down, um, provided me sort of a blank slate because mm -hmm. the program had contracted to just faculty members children and so being able to expand again and go out and pursue clients from a wide variety of areas and sort of build the program up again um, has given me a lot of cool opportunities. Are there other programs that are, are trying or other schools excuse me that are trying to start programs like yours or you know i honestly have not heard of very many, even to have a major, maybe as a minor, but are you aware of any others? There are several um, other higher education members of PATH mm -hmm. who have some coursework or major in therapeutic horsemanship. So is there a, is there a, you mentioned the higher education center part of PATH. Is that a, is that a search feature on PATH's website? I'm not, I guess I've never really heard of that. I think they're working on it on okay. updating that list. Yeah, that would be good. If you're so from Path, I know it's out there. To do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, very good. I'm sure that if anyone had any questions about anything, they could reach out to you, Melissa, or of course me, and I can help them certainly make connections as well. Yeah, I'd be happy to help. Okay. Um, well, before we go, I ask all of my guests the same question. Melissa, why do you keep doing what you're doing at St. Andrews? What makes you so passionate every day? Um, I love that you asked that question. Uh, for me, I thrive on variety and I always need to be learning. Mm -hmm. So being part of a college and being able to teach classes, run a center, mentor instructors, take care of horses is all just, you know, and have the freedom to bop back and forth between the barn and my office and the classroom um, keeps me going and always being able to learn, um, talking to other departments, 
having them come to our school. Um, something that I found being part of a university, I guess is why it's been nice, but everyone I've asked to be a guest speaker so far in my classes has said yes. I mean, even the author of our textbook in one of my classes uh, agreed to have a Zoom with four students and myself. And that was the student's favorite part of the semester was getting awesome. to talk with this person who wrote our textbook. And so they had much more depth and got to see the heart behind what this lady had written. So uh, I love that part of it is the networking and having access to such a broad field. Absolutely. I would second that. I mean, the, you had mentioned earlier, you were in a elderly community or something that had a, a group called the lifelong learners. And I'm like, if, if they don't have that when I'm 80, I don't know what I'm going to do. Cause that's the way that's the way I am. And I find that mentoring students is a cool way to always stay learning and telling so for some reason, telling someone why we do things makes, makes my passion burn so much brighter. Cause I'm like, you know what, that is why we do that. And it just, it makes right. me so happy. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. When you can get out of the daily tasks and look at the bigger picture of that's right. We're making a difference difference in lives, in my students' lives, in my participants' lives, in these courses' lives. Mm -hmm. um, it just re-fires re you up to keep yep. going. It does. It really does. Well, if anyone was interested in your program or wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that, Melissa? Um, my email is Abby M, so A-B-B-E-Y-M, at sa.edu and our college's website is sa.edu and that will get you on there. There's a page for the equestrian programs and you can look at the academic offerings and everything else that St. Andrews has. Very good. I will link the um, website in the show notes below. So if you're listening and wanna know that, scroll down and click there. Um, otherwise, Thank you so much for being on today, Melissa. It was a joy to get to talk to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was great yeah. meeting you at the conference and getting to chat with you. That's right. And if you haven't been to a PATH conference yet and you're listening, you should go because you get to meet wonderful yeah. people and learn all kinds of things. <laughs> now that we're doing them in person again, it just makes such a huge difference to look someone in the eyes and shake their hand and That's talk right. about what you're both passionate about put a it's like nowadays with with COVID and stuff it's like you already have a face to the name because it's zoom so it's like i don't know putting like the rest of the, the body with the name i guess right <laughs> all right well thank you melissa thank you thanks for listening to another episode until the next one launches stay connected to our community by joining the not just a pony ride facebook group there we share exclusive educational content answer your questions, and review new and exciting developments for the EAS community. Don't forget, if you have suggestions for future episode topics or a lead on a great guest that you think our audience would enjoy, click on the link in the show notes or visit us at hetrauniversity.org. This podcast is presented by Hetra University, an educational arm of the Heartland Equine Therapeutic Writing Academy. Hetra University's mission is to provide high-quality educational offerings to our participants and the EAS community. If you'd like to help us work toward our mission, you can make a donation by visiting us online at hetra.org.
Again, I can't thank you all enough for helping Hetra change lives one stride at a time.